On today's Blue Bay Insights, I'm pleased to welcome David Wiley, Chief Investment Strategist. Hi, David. Hello, Alex. Since we last spoke, the Fed have announced further measures to support markets and the economy. What were these and how significant do you think they are? Well, we saw the Fed again announce another big raft of policy measures to support business and markets just before the Easter weekend. So the Fed upsized by several hundred billion dollars its corporate bond buying facilities. It broadened them to include investment-grade bonds that are subsequently downgraded into the high-yield market. It said it would buy more asset-backed securities, including AAA-rated collateralized loan obligations, or, or CLOs. And it announced a new $600 billion Main Street loan facility for uh, small and medium-sized businesses. Taken together, the Fed has now committed itself to lend up to $2.3 trillion to companies, small businesses, and local governments. And it's, I don't think it's surprising on the back of that that we saw a further rally in risk assets. I, I, I do think it was significant. I think the Fed sent a clear signal backed up by its unique ability to conjure up the one asset that all of the world wants, which is US dollars, that there is no limit to the support it is willing to provide to the economy and, and by extension to markets through this current crisis. So the Fed will now buy and lend to fallen angels. So this was something we, we spoke about previously. So these are companies that get downgraded from investment grade into the high yield market, and which we think could total up to $200 billion over the next year or so. The Fed will also buy loans and lend to highly leveraged businesses. All that said, I I do think liquidity support takes out the tail risk of a systemic problem in credit, but it doesn't, I think, forestall a rise in default rates in high yield, especially if the recession is longer and the recovery weaker than expected. Nonetheless, I think for broader risk markets, the signal is that the Fed is effectively backstopping the market and asset prices, even as corporate earnings collapse and unemployment soars. Does that mean the rally in risk assets will continue? I think, I mean, in our view, the rally in growth sensitive risk assets can't be sustained solely on the back of central bank liquidity and government fiscal support. Monetary and fiscal Support is a debt bridge for the economy and markets to the other side of this crisis. I do think that equities are now pricing a much stronger recovery than the government bond market. And I think credit markets are are sort of somewhere between the optimism of equity and the pessimism of the bond market. It's often said, don't bet against the Fed, but clearly the valuation cushion in the event of a meaningfully weaker global recovery is is evidently less than it was, especially for equities. I I, I certainly do think there is plenty of risk premium and value across a range of assets, but markets rarely move in a straight line. And after the rally we've had, I just think investors should continue to be selective in how they deploy their capital. You suggest that the bond market and equity market are diverging in terms of the economic outlook. What do you think is going to be the path for economic recovery once the virus is contained? Yeah, I I think that's increasingly becoming obviously a key question. But as you've highlighted, 
one of the key unknowns is to the extent that the fight against the virus is successful and when lockdowns come to an end, you know, whether we get a second wave of the virus or even a, uh, an outbreak in 2021 or progress is made in terms of developing a vaccine. That said, you know, the debate clearly has now moved to exit strategies from the current economic lockdowns. And I do think there will be a progressive return to work over the coming weeks through May and into June. In, in the third quarter, there is going to be a strong rebound in terms of the rate of growth, just because we're going to be coming off a very, very deep contraction in the second quarter. But thereafter, I think the path for growth will slow, even if we assume that there won't be a second wave of the virus and, and, and renewed restrictions on economic activity. And I, and I just want to keep on emphasising this distinction between rates of change and levels. So if you take the latest IMF global economic forecast, for example, they suggest a V-shaped rebound in growth in the second half. But when you actually look at the overall level of global economic output or GDP, it still remains well below its pre-crisis level. And that continues through uh, 2021. Unemployment stays relatively high. Debt levels continue to, to rise. And I do think there's a lot of uncertainty as to how consumers will behave in the aftermath of crisis, whether they will choose to build up precautionary savings or whether they'll be a lot of pent-up demand. Um, I do think that business investment is clearly going to be much more muted given these uncertainties. And so the path of recovery after that initial bounce will, I think, flatten. So we're, we're going to have the deepest and sharpest recession in modern history. I think that will then be followed by a quite kind of impressive growth rate initially, but then that will flatten as we go forward. So if you like a, a sort of an initial V, but then that flattens out and that potentially I think there could be quite meaningful economic scars that prove quite permanent as a result of this pandemic. And finally, what about the outlook for emerging markets in particular? I, I think in the very near term, then a lot will depend on the extent to which the coronavirus spreads across emerging market countries. Unfortunately, we are seeing quite steep rises in cases in countries like Turkey, in, in, in Russia, but the overall rates of infection are still very much below those in developed countries. If, for whatever reason, the virus is contained more successfully, then I think emerging markets will benefit from the pickup in demand from developed markets as lockdowns ease and the ongoing recovery in China. I, th I think those emerging markets that also have plenty of monetary and fiscal policy room, so typically these are the higher rated, lower yielding uh, emerging markets, are relatively well placed to respond to the economic uh, shock. Those with much weaker economic fundamentals are going to be stressed. In fact, some of them are already in financial stress and may require debt relief. So I think with emerging markets, given such the you know, range of 
fundamentals, economic and political across that asset class, then more than ever, country and credit selection is going to be vitally important. And and I do think there are going to be opportunities for those emerging markets with the fiscal and monetary space to respond to the crisis and to benefit from the eventual global economic upturn, but also opportunities for investors in, in terms of the sort of more distressed space as well. But as I say, even more than ever, it's going to be about country selection and credit selection. Thank you, David, and speak to you next week. Thank you. This podcast is issued in the United Kingdom by Blue Bay Asset Management LLP, which is authorised and regulated by the UK Financial Conduct Authority, registered with the US Securities and Exchange Commission and the US Commodity Futures Trading Commission, and is a member of the National Futures Association. This podcast may also be issued in the United States by Blue Bay Asset Management LLC, which is registered with the SEC and the NFA. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Unless otherwise stated, all data has been sourced by Blue Bay. To the best of Blue Bay's knowledge and belief, this podcast is true and accurate at the date hereof. Blue Bay makes no express or implied warranties or representations with respect to the information contained in this podcast and hereby expressly disclaim all warranties of accuracy, completeness or fitness for a particular purpose. This podcast is intended for professional clients and eligible counterparties as defined by the FCA only and should not be relied upon by any other category of customer. Except where agreed explicitly in writing, Blue Bay does not provide investment or other advice and nothing in this podcast constitutes any advice nor should be interpreted as such. No Blue Bay fund will be offered except pursuant and subject to the offering memorandum and subscription materials. The offering materials. If there is an inconsistency between this podcast and the offering materials for the Blue Bay Fund, the provisions in the offering materials shall prevail. You should read the offering materials carefully before investing in any Blue Bay Fund. This podcast does not constitute an offer to sell or the solicitation of an offer to purchase any security or investment product in any jurisdiction and is for information purposes only. No part of this podcast may be reproduced in any manner without the prior written permission of Blue Bay Asset Management, LLP. Copyright 2020, Blue Bay. The investment manager, advisor and global distributor of the Blue Bay Funds is a wholly owned subsidiary of Royal Bank of Canada and the Blue Bay Funds may be considered to be related and or connected issuers to Royal Bank of Canada and its other affiliates. Registered trademark of Royal Bank of Canada. RBC Global Asset Management is a trademark of Royal Bank of Canada. Blue Bay Asset Management LLP, registered office, 77 Grosvenor Street, London, W1K3JR, partnership registered in England and Wales, number OC370085. The term partner refers to a member of the LLP or a Blue Bay employee with equivalent standing. Details of membership of the Blue Bay Group and further important terms which this message is subject to can be obtained at www.bluebay.com. All rights reserved.